This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. What happens when regular people work together to create massive, meaningful change on a global scale? Welcome to the Carbon Almanac Collective, a podcast where the volunteers who created the Carbon Almanac share the insights and aha moments they had while collaborating on this landmark project to help fight the climate crisis. I'm your host, Jennifer Myers Chua, and it's not too late to join in on the conversation. Hi, I'm Jen Swanson. I live near Vancouver, British Columbia, and I am helping with the podcast group in the Carbon Almanac. I'm Olabanji. I live in Nigeria, and I'm helping out with the podcast at the Carbon Almanac. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru, living in Germany. What I'm doing is being part of Carbon Sessions on the podcast section. Hi, I'm Imam. I am from the south of Spain, and I live in Scotland. I started with the, the emails, and then I am helping with the podcast. I'd love to know what brought you to the Carbon Almanac. Why did you join this project in the first place? Being selfish because I wanted to work with Seth and along the way, taking a different perspective also on how climate change is taken as a tool for systemic change. Because I've been involved in, in other initiatives towards that, like more spread than, than this one, but this one is very focused on it. So it was very interesting. I got an email in October. Unfortunately, October, November, December is the time of the year that I made almost 90% of my income. So I couldn't, I couldn't come in and join at that time. Uh, as soon as I finished in December, I joined in and, and Barbara took me under her wing with a daily difference. So I, I got an email from Seth and I can't remember the exact content, but in my head, it was like some really great guys created some amazing stuff and you need to see and possibly join and be a part of it. And I was like, okay, if Seth says join, then I'm joining. So I joined and I saw a whole board moving pieces, lots of stuff happening at, at the same time. And I was like, uh, okay, find somewhere to fit. And thanks to Jen for helping me out with that. And I started raising my hand and, and it's been great all the way. I mean, it's the best thing ever caring about what we need to do to save the earth. Um, I'm here all the way. And Jen, why did you join? I, I get Seth's daily blogs and true confessions. I don't read them every day. Sometimes <laughs> I batch them and I'll read them all at once. But for some weird reason, I opened this one and read it. And it was probably the same one Olabanji said. Yeah. It was the invitation that there's this cool thing happening. And, and I clicked it and I, and I thought, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff and look at all these people and how exciting. And this stuff has been near and dear to my heart for a long time. So it felt like the right moment to take the leap. And before you joined this project, did you consider yourself an environmentalist? Yes, to a point. We're very much the, uh, the kids call us the, uh, <laughs> 
uber recyclers in our house. And we have tried to go as zero waste as we can. And I'm always reading about this stuff and thinking about this stuff. And we switched to a really old electric vehicle. And so it's in the air and it's stuff that I'm passionate about. So I guess I would. I would say I was born in a family who was an environmentalist. So for me, it has been just keep going. And, and the main focus of, of attention or, or where we attend the most is in circular, whatever we do, there is no waste. Yeah, I, I would call myself that. Although 50 years ago when I was born, nobody was, oh yeah, it, it was people there, but we were not called ourselves yeah. environmentalists. We were just people being aware. I didn't consider myself an environmentalist, nor do I currently. What I do see myself, though, is a sort of like progressive activism, because I feel like it englobes more things. It's just not carbon that I see, because it's systemic, right? It has other things that are all interconnected. I would say partly, and definitely not as much as I do right now. Just leaning into what Rod said, I'm also really passionate about all the parts of the system. Um, so I'd say I'm an environmentalist, but I also care about all the parts of the system that have caused and that can help with the kind of change that we're trying to make. So I, I kind of lean on both sides. Yeah. Do you feel like anything that you've learned from the Carbon Almanac project has changed you? First of all, I mean, and, and this was the conversation I was having with Seth on the live call. The way I see things have definitely changed. The way I see possibilities, you know, that people can come together from different parts of the world in a large number. And everyone's making something work. Everyone's raising their hand. Everyone's showing up in many different capacities. So that definitely just makes me feel like really hopeful that there's nothing that we can't do if we have people in twos, in threes, in fours. Um, having a conversation, making a decision, taking a step, showing up in some capacity or another. So that has definitely changed me. Another thing that definitely changed for me is I'm not really conscious of my environment, what I do, how I do things, how I interact with people. I just, it becomes an outburst sometimes like, hey, stop that. Don't do that. Right. I tell people to not do that. Uh, I'm conscious of how I do things, where I keep things, how I use things, what I buy, if I buy at all. So I'm definitely more conscious. I tell people every time, don't search with Google, use Ecosia, you'll be planting trees. You know, like seriously? Yeah, yeah, you would be planting trees. So I'm so conscious of my environment and yeah, that has definitely changed for me. Jen, how about you? Are you changed? I think so. I think it's hard not to be <laughs> when you're working with people from around the globe. I, I still feel uh, a sense of urgency, a sense of fear, a sense of anxiety. But I, I, and I'm, I'm hearing more and more about carbon on the news and in the media, but there is hope. And, and so we're doing all the research for the, the episodes we're doing. There's so much info out there that it, it's impossible not to be more aware and taking more steps, as as Banji said. Mm -hmm. I'm always hopeful. What I have changed, the impact that this collective and, and the Carbon Almanac has changed me personally is to see 
and to experience how really, really different people can say, okay, in this, we are agree. I felt mm, sometimes how people can not think like me as a, as a, as a boundary. And within this group, I felt that that's not a boundary anymore. It's like, okay, here we are together. Whatever we think about anything else, here is, is something that we can do together. On the same line as Inma, it's allowed me to, to see how things start getting to move forward, even with a little tiny number that we are. We might be thousands, but we're still very tiny number on, on moving things forward, right? Mm-hmm. On the side of hopefulness, absolutely, because it's different having one person trying to have this conversation with nobody else that is around and find somebody else that is on the other side of the world to start having those conversations and from there create this kind of bigger waves. Yeah. So, so yeah. Very much with this group want to talk about conversations because all of you have been so impactful to my experience here and to a lot of people's experiences here through these conversations that you're having on one of the podcasts. Could you explain what the theme of that podcast is? It's called Carbon Sessions. So it was about like having carbon conversations and carbon conversations were just like too clattered. And I was like, just plain, it, it came like as good ideas came sometimes in, within five minutes. It was like carbon sessions because it's about conversations. There's like a lot of leeway to do because it, yeah, at some point was to have some other guests also. So it gives us more space to have these conversations about carbon. And the idea is like, how do you convert conversations, start playing around with the phonetic order. And it's just like, yeah, it's a session about carbon. Yeah, carbon sessions. It's about regular people having conversations on various topics. And so we, we've had short conversations, which has been hard because sometimes you want to keep talking. But conversations with one another and we switch it up so that we have different, different pairs of hosts talking with each other from various parts of the world and discussing things that they've come across that we've heard about that we've learned that come from topics in the almanac. And, and they've been really eye opening uh, for me as a participant. Because of the research and the experiences that the people I've gotten to talk to have had in their corner of the world. Coming from that angle, it's about people that care really and are lending their voices to a cause that they care about, um, which is sustainability and climate change. And we're having all these conversations like we're not recording it, which is amazing. It, it's flowing so naturally, so, in, you know, in an interesting way. And we're just regular people having a conversation about how to save the planet. And that's exactly what it is. We're not experts. We're not trying to tell you what to do. We're just trying to normalize the conversation and say, hey, it's okay. It's totally fine to have these conversations. And if you care to join us, feel free. You know, you can. And and that's what we're doing. Yeah. I, I remember a conversation I had with Inma and Liki, and we were recording it at first, and then we stopped recording. 
and we're like, uh, we're just going to have this conversation and have fun with it and talk about everything we probably don't want everybody to hear. And we just started talking and pulling ideas and stuff and, you know, making, it was so good. It was really good. And that's what we're trying to do. Not experts, not people with experience, just regular people um, showing up to have conversations that matter because they can help us, because they can change what we have right now. And that's it. We do couples. <laughs> so two and two. And sometimes we do threes with Liki. Or the idea also is to invite people to join us for conversations. And we want that the, the intention is to invite people from all over the world to join us. I, I, I would be amazed to, to have conversations with people from, I don't know, Sri Lanka. <laughs> and I think Olavanji is totally, more than everyone is totally in with, is, is, is like a sensation of sharing that we care. Even the first of the conversations we had, I, I remember my first one was with Rod. It was so intimate. It was so natural, so organic that, okay, this is, this is it. This is, this is the way that this can work to have this proximity to people who can listen to us or who will listen to us and they can feel that proximity as well. What I'm seeing that the goal is. It's not to empower people to have conversations. It's just that to let them see that if two complete strangers can have a conversation about a certain theme, and it's not about only, it's not coming from a place of expertise over, or, or being like experts, right? Because I know I'm not, but what I do is I start learning about that. I start going a bit um, doing some research if I can, but most of it, it has to be back up with something. It's not only about opinions mm -hmm. or narratives. It's more about like, okay, these are the facts. What are the perspectives that we can have? And the red thread that connects it all is what's the impact of carbon within it. And from there, it just like expands. Has there been any of the conversations that you've recorded for this podcast project that have been particularly memorable? Yeah, the very one that we probably will not publish, it, it's it's memorable. I mean, every episode that we've recorded has been great, amazing. Each of them is special in its own way. We'll have a conversation right now and we think it is so good and then we'll stop recording to take a break. And then we'll have the next conversation and then it goes from a hundred to a thousand, like, whoa, you know. So they've all been really amazing and, you know, we'll do a bit of research you know, talk about it, jump out of the research, jump back in, just really natural conversations. And they've been so great. Has there been a topic that has been your favorite so far to discuss? Yeah, space travel. What'd you learn about space travel? That we're, we're polluting parts of the atmosphere that we don't know much about, right? And so we're doing enough here and look where it's gotten us. So... Now we're going to the stratosphere, to the upper layers, where we usually don't do stuff like that. And we don't know exactly what the outcome will be. 
So it's an emergency. You know, we can't do space travel at that level. We, we cannot see or see exactly what the outcome of carbon emission in those spaces will be. And, and if you see a rocket ship take off, it's a party of carbon, an entire party. So we really need to be careful with that. And Jen, how about you? Has there been an episode that has been really memorable for you? Well, they've all been pretty memorable, but one that that I think surprised me the most was one I had with Inma about leaf blowers. (laughs) Yes, I was going to say that one too. Because she didn't know what they were, and they're so ubiquitous where I am. They're everywhere, and now I'm even more conscious and aware of them. And, and, you know, surprised about them. And so I think that was an interesting one. Yeah, it was. It was for me too, because I had no idea what that was. And the conversation was like, to be honest, you need to tell me what what is it? What is a leaf blower? And she told me, I'm like, ah, okay. I didn't know these things exist. (laughs) I think you said it was, it was... An unfortunate convenience or something. There was some some word that you said that stuck with me. And I thought, I wonder what else in our world is an unfortunate convenience. ESG, environmental governance and sustainability. Yeah, I believe it's, I, I believe like all these certifications are nice to have, but are more of a tick boxes to check. Mm-hmm. And they are just to keep on the status quo because you know that let's say that you have you're manufacturing something right for you to adapt into how to make things more sustainable being absolutely honest you would have to cut different things and be absolutely disruptive but what you do is like oh no we're just gonna try with the esd it's gonna be a change yes of course but it's going to be very slow how slow maybe 60 years, we're out of this world in 50. So it doesn't make any sense, right? I agree, totally agree with Rod uh, on that. I think in Spain, we have we have a say that is tra- translation could be like, who makes the rule makes the trap. And when we try to put, of course, necessary, because they are there for a reason, but in the world, in the world I work, which is wine, the wine industry, people who want to really make wines sustainable in, in a sustainable way, they don't sign for being organic because organic is less than what we are, they are really doing. But there is a certification that has to go in because it's what the market is asking. For. Or have you seen it's conspiracy, like this documentary on Netflix? Yes, exactly. Right. It's like yeah. everything is about sustainability, but it's. Actually, a loophole. And greenwashing. A, a loophole on how to keep doing things yeah. the wrong way. It's how do we move the big corporations that are getting a lot of money for things. Uh, I just, I just, I have a seven month old grandson and I've just learned about something called elimination communication. You know, my daughter has used cloth diapers as well, but now she's not even, he's seven months old and he's actually going on a potty, which is amazing because they've been doing this since about five months and I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't helped them do it myself and I'm thinking you you would never know about this in our part of the world because the diaper companies don't want you to know about it 
Because then you're hardly using any diapers when you can get a tiny child to do this uh, with a little bit of effort. So it's it's this kind of thing. Like, how do we get around the capitalism? Although I also have to say that it depends on the conditions of each family. Yes. Right? Because like at some places you have the grandpas or you have like more access to different things or helps. On some other places, it's only the mom, the pop. And the kid and its jobs. And it's like, okay, how do I do this? The point that I'm trying to make is it's not about judging no. whether you're using or not, but it's about we understand things and maybe things could go as Jen is saying, if you don't have the information which is being withheld from like from this big corpse or anything, that hurts you because you're not having a, a proper informed decision on how to do things, mm-hmm. right? And when you do it, you can be more aware. And that's what we're, I believe we're trying to build like awareness on how to make the different decisions and seek ways to fix it or just do what is necessary only. I was just going to say there are alternatives in many cases to what we've been accustomed to and what we've been told. And it's having conversations like this to learn about things that we can do differently. And the fact that everybody who's involved in this podcast is in a different time zone in countries all over the world, really, I'm wondering if there's been anything else that's come up in conversation that surprised you because it's something that maybe isn't accessible where you are or isn't as well known where you are. Yeah, I believe with Inma or with Jennifer also that we've had conversations. Sometimes we're talking from the perspective of either Canada or Europe. And then at that very same point, it's like, wait, wait, wait. That sounds very good. Sounds very interesting and very doable for us. However, what happens on other parts where they don't actually have access to Latin America? I'm from there. Or I've traveled through India also. So it has different, they all have different needs. They they all have different customs. They have also different um access to certain things. Mm-hmm. So just like having this balance. And I believe with Jennifer, we were talking about like, this is great, but we are, we as the people that are on these more privileged positions, we also have this more responsibility towards doing things more consciously. Has it been interesting to you to speak to people from a different part of the globe when it comes to their community's response to the climate crisis. I think maybe about the conversation Ima and I start having about seeing on the map of like what was the, the carbon footprint that was around like different areas or communities. Yeah, like people who are more privileged leave a lot more footprint than people who are less privileged. Countries like Africa have a footprint in carbon that is, I don't remember the data, but mind-blowing less than people from states or or Europe. That one too, and also about, you know, where you could see on on this app, on the community that you wanted to, to see, Hey, you know, how many trees are there or how, how much uh, concrete or any of those. So that was very interesting to like, to see from me and I, 
she was focusing on Spain. I was like, hey, you know, there is this community or there's this treatment that can be done or has been done. And then we compared it on the other side to Peru, where they had one one tree every 10 kilometers, probably even less might be. I'm not exaggerating, by the way. (laughs) But so, yeah, just like seeing the treatment, how governments can take, how communities and how like things are designed, right? Because that brought us to the conversation on in Lima, for, for instance, the city is being more designed for the car, which is one of yeah. the biggest carbon, uh, like how, how you went on Spain within these vineyards mm-hmm. and how, how, many, how much trees were there. I think one of the things that was really fascinating for me was learning that around where Ima lives, and I think we were talking about food forest that, that day, and you can have a community farm to yourself if you don't have one behind your backyard. You can have a community farm for six months. And so you go plant whatever you like for six months. The thing though is you will not be able to harvest it in six months because that's depending on what you plant, you, it's, it's not going to be ready in six months for harvesting. So, but you have to leave the farm and someone else takes over the farm and they harvest what you planted and they also plant, they kind of rest it and then you go in. And you invest what they've planted and it creates a really great community connection. I think every single conversation I learned something. Thinking about the different initiatives that are happening in, in countries and in cities. And also uh, the space that people are living in. I've been inspired by some of the conversations about Inma talking about her uh, her waste reduction and how she has... It was all the plastic you could fit into a little jar or something. And uh, and so these kinds of things have, yeah, they've inspired me and they've been of interest. I know in Europe, there is a lot more recycling and a lot more zero waste opportunities to shop. And, and I wish we were on board with that. We're getting there, but it's really slow. So there are definite differences and it's fun to learn about them. And also... The locality of the food, because when we were talking about the food forest, Olavangi was talking about bananas and, and things like that, that we don't have here. We do, but they are not from here. And I was talking about apples and pears. And he was like, oh my God, you have apples and pears? That's so amazing. And like, you have bananas? That's so amazing. And it also journey to another, another one of the questions. That's also part of the conveniency that we are now living all over the world that we can have watermelon in UK yeah. in winter. How that sounds. And I'm wondering if the Carbon Almanac is a project or this podcast is a project, the fact that we are coming together from all corners of the globe in order to try to create change together. Does that make you feel more hopeful? I think it's very hopeful. It feels like we can actually do something if every one of us and all the other people we share this with, then it's hopeful. I would say that more than hopeful, it's it's optimist. Yeah. You know, because um, it's not about like being positive, basically like things are not as, things are going really bad as they are. But there's still some light at the end of the tunnel. So focusing on that, it's, it's bringing that optimism 
what I found with, with these conversations happening are that there's this sort of like power or this energy that can transfer to this other person and start saying like, Hey, yeah, you know, if, if these four or five people are just having a conversation about it and I'm a tiny bit interested, I'm up to it. I can do some stuff. I can inform myself and that's eventually going to create change in a bigger way. And when we're talking about systematic change, are any of you having the opportunity to see community groundswell and push towards systemic change? Are any of you seeing that in your communities? I haven't, but I know something like that is happening already in Palermo in Italy. They're working hugely on regenerative business and they are very involved with the mayor of the city. So there's a political movement working towards how to build these regenerative, uh, regenerative businesses around there. And these businesses, there is one, I can't remember which one it is. It's a restaurant. And what they do is they also, they hire people. It doesn't matter if they're migrants or not, because like one of the definitions of them is like, it's not about the rights of migrants. It's about human rights because all of them are humans. So it's like taking this side from the political to the business side yeah. in, a, in a bigger way. And it's not only about that, but it's also about the communities that are around them. And all that is starting to scale, right? That's one of the, uh, one example that, I, that, I, that I've seen happening already. I think I was having this conversation on the podcast as well. There really was a time in PH Nigeria, we had black suits everywhere and it was crazy. You'd step out in the morning, the air is dark. You can visibly see it. And people started organizing, started campaigning, raising awareness. It was trending on Twitter. And then the government started moving to shut down illegal refineries. They started investigating businesses and doing all the things that they needed to do. And in the space of like two weeks, it completely went out, almost completely went out. And that was a lesson that really together we have power, together we can make an impact. If we stand up, raise our voices in twos, in threes, and start talking about all these things, there's a chance that we can make a change. So, you know, we should take it. Have any of you had that conversation yet about COVID times? Like I know in Canada, Jen, I don't know if you've seen this in the news, but they did some study about Canada's carbon emissions within the first half of the pandemic yes. and how drastically they had fallen. You guys had a conversation about this yet? Yeah, I just, I heard that it was a, a drastic reduction. And so they were talking about, oh, Canada has reduced its overall carbon emissions. And someone said, yeah, wait, wait, wait. But part of that was when everyone was in lockdown and you weren't able to go very far and planes weren't flying. And so it's good. And it's, it's also uh, a bit sobering to realize that was why. And, uh, and so if there were ways that we could do that again, replicate that without a pandemic, we might be on the right track. <laughs> yeah. I have the feeling that not many people have the opportunity to, to really talk about this without polarizing or being really overwhelmed. Yeah. And for me, these conversations 
it's not that increase the level of hopefulness that I, I can have. It's it also a way for me to to speak up, to, to, to say what I feel, to say how how what I'm doing, to, to share the carbon almanac uh, information to to somehow at the level of being able to breathe and and to to communicate about this without the feeling of being angry or or overwhelmed is a plus. And Raj, you have any final thoughts? And same line says so Inma, it's it lets you vent out, it lets you rent. But the thing about it is is that it's not only about the rent, it's how you turn that round into actions that you can hopefully compel people to to take, but at least you try to have the impact on the person you're talking with at the, at the time. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'm super proud of the work that we're doing and the people that I've had the privilege of connecting with, you know, Rod and Inma and Jen and Liki and Tanya, some of the most amazing people ever. And everyone's your cheerleader, everyone's supporting everyone to jump in and raise a hand. And that stands out for me totally. So thank you. Thank you all. It's great to feel the connectedness and to have these conversations and to underline the idea that it's not too late to join this conversation and um, we can do it together. And if anyone is listening to this and they want to join your conversation, I'll just give a quick plug that they can email podcasts at thecarbonalmanac.org and submit some content for the conversation in a future episode. You've been listening to the Carbon Almanac Collective. This podcast is part of the Carbon Almanac Podcast Network. For more information, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Subscribe and join us next time to get more insights from regular people mobilizing to help the world fight the climate emergency.